Welcome to the Bob Siegel Show podcast on the Cross Global Media Radio Network. Visit cgmradio.com slash bob to subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform. Welcome to the Bob Siegel Show. Yesterday we began a discussion on Islam and we were talking about whether or not there are peaceful Muslims in the world or whether they're all violent. Well, of course there are many peaceful Muslims, but I needed to qualify that because the Quran clearly commands Muslims to wage jihad. There's no getting around that. Go ahead and listen to yesterday's program, review some of those verses that I took straight out of the Quran. Nevertheless, there are a lot of Muslims who claim to be peaceful, who are telling the truth. So So here's the question we want to explore today. Is there such a thing as a moderate Muslim? Well, as I did yesterday, I'm going to answer this question with carefulness and delicacy. Certainly, there are numerous Muslims who call themselves moderate. Some say it sincerely. Others do not. In either case, people tend to quickly take Muslims at their word instead of examining the Quran for themselves, which we did yesterday. And that is a mistake in as much as the simplest investigation, if conducted without preconceived bias, would clearly demonstrate that Islam is a religion which does not allow moderation. Let me say that again. Islam is a religion which does not allow moderation. Now that's true of just about any religion, but right now we're talking about Islam. Muslims who privately embrace jihad, all the while renouncing it openly, will be discussed later. At the moment, we want to assess those who sincerely describe themselves as moderate despite the straightforward commands of Muhammad. Since moderation is not permitted, such self-professed moderate Muslims are actually nominal Muslims. That would be a more accurate word. Now, the term nominal is not being offered as an insult, merely a description. I can make similar observations about my own faith. I encounter nominal Christians all the time. What does nominal imply? Well, Just as there are many people who live in America or Europe who know absolutely nothing about the Bible other than a few choice sections taken out of context, people who nevertheless call themselves Christians because they were raised with some kind of church background, there are likewise many born into Muslim countries or raised by Muslim families who for one reason or another are unfamiliar with their own scriptures. If you asked if they believed in the Quran, they would say yes. If you asked if they believed in spreading their religion forcefully, they would deny it and they would be telling the truth. There are millions of such people and yes, we can call them peaceful Muslims. There is also another type of nominal Muslim, one who demonstrates deep familiarity with the Quran, but chooses to reinterpret some of the jihad verses. As I mentioned yesterday, jihad literally means struggle. While such struggle was used as a description of war in the Quran, modern Muslim spokesmen search desperately for substitute application. Days after the horrible attack of 9-11, I remember reading a newspaper article about a Muslim doctor who explained that for him, Jihad meant a war against bacteria. Okay, now that's a nice idea. And certainly the kind of Quran application most Americans would embrace. While such creativity stretches the plain reading of Islamic teaching in ways unfamiliar with the Muhammad of history, we obviously prefer a peaceful Muslim doctor to a warlike Muslim literalist. In that vein, a different Muslim doctor, M. Zaudi Jazzer, M.D., has made quite a name for himself. Also a self-professed moderate, Jazzer 
professor considers himself a dedicated Muslim, but rather than making excuses for his religion, he condemns militant Islam unequivocally, fully admitting that their religious theology, while a contrary interpretation of a faith he grew up with, is responsible for today's acts of terror. Jasser has bravely and openly confronted Islamic violence in interviews with the Washington Times, Fox News, CNN, the New York Post, the Wall Street Journal, CBS, and other places. Following the brutal 2016 nightclub shooting in Orlando, Jasser delivered a sharp outcry, calling upon other peaceful Muslims to seriously confront the violent ones. At which point, he said, are we Muslims going to look in the mirror and declare war on what is declared war on us as Americans? That's really what needs to happen. In this same interview, Jasser identified the enemy not as extremism or lone wolf, but rather political Islam. He saw this as a global problem. It attacks free speech. It attacks free, secular countries, his words. He also challenged his Muslim peers to stop being in denial and instead stand up to Islamo-nationalism. Muslims need to be a part of it, he said. We can't get past it without real reforms to get our Sharia law out of the 13th century in which it is stuck. Jasser takes issue with any who would cloak the true intentions of violent Islamists by implicating U.S. or Israeli policy as part of the problem. Instead, he offers what he calls a declaration for Muslim reform, and he describes this as a movement which puts the Islamists on the defensive and gives birth to a counter-Islamist offensive based on the ideas of religious liberty and universal human rights. Jasser explained with detail in an article for National Review. He said, We are ready ideological warriors for the nation. The security of the United States, Israel, and the West hangs in the balance. Jasser also said, Taking the side of reform-minded Muslims who champion liberty and embrace Islamism must be the centerpiece of the strategy. American Muslims living in this unparalleled laboratory of freedom have a unique moral obligation to lead the way. For too long, we have allowed the grievance narratives of Islamist groups to dominate, deflect responsibility, and and radicalize. As American Muslims, we need to own the problem and address the root causes of Islamist radicalization. Militant Islamists are bred, contrarily, in a theopolitical culture where their sole identity and self-worth are inexorably wedded to Islamo-patriotism, the assertion of the supremacy of the Islamic State. They act for the tribe and reject even the implication that individual rights under God must be possible for all through a secular movement. Understanding this consciousness is crucial. Freedom-loving Muslims must fight for an Islam that rejects the Islamists as the real blasphemers and enemy of mankind. All right, quite a mouthful. Now, as you can see, this physician's unrelenting courage provides a compelling voice in crucial worldwide dialogue. Un. Fortunately, while challenging the evil which comes in the name of Islam, Jasser continues to defend the religion itself, getting around obvious jihad commands by saying, every Muslim has the right to interpret their faith. No, they don't, doctor. No, they don't. Not really. Naturally, people should be free to believe whatever they want. Still, if I may be permitted to make the obvious obvious, men like M. Zudi Jazzer are trying to fit a square peg in a round hole. Well, no fair-minded person would deny Jasser's decency. His attempts to present a more sanitized version of Islam display intellectual dishonesty. One would think that if he is reflective enough to repudiate the violence of Islam and consistent enough to admit the 
that terrorists are indeed finding a religious correlation for their ideology, that he might finally take the plunge, admit the problem is with the Quran itself, and perhaps cease calling himself a Muslim altogether. Of course, naturally, Jasser must be permitted to work this out for himself, and we can certainly understand how difficult it would be for anybody to completely sever ties with a religion that has been so personally connected to their upbringing and lifestyle. While it can be argued that the so-called militants are reading the Quran more literally than Jasser, and that conversely, those who select peaceful options are perhaps the real radical Muslims in the sense that they radically reinterpret a clear standard doctrine, we nevertheless admire Jasser's willingness to denounce cold-blooded murder in the name of a faith he personally loves and wants to see reformed. I admire this man very much. Let us be grateful and supportive of all well-intentioned Muslims who reinterpret their own holy book, but not at the expense of naivety. Peaceful understandings of the Quran force objective literary criticism to stand on its head. Now you think about Bob, isn't it possible that the literal jihad verses are being taken out of context? No, my friend, no, not in this case. Admittedly, human beings are notorious for taking statements out of context. In fact, the Bible is misquoted quite frequently. As a Christian apologist who often defends the Bible, I am certainly sympathetic to the question of context. But sympathy does not consign us to a state of limbo or perpetual ignorance as if only Muslims know the context of their own book. The true meaning of the Quran is not an unanswerable question. The means to establishing context does exist and is in fact rather easy to obtain. The correct context to any piece of literature is established by the author himself. What the author originally meant to say and what his readers originally understood him to mean are the accurate interpretations of any writing. Now, Muhammad did not write the Quran. He recited it, claiming revelation from Allah through the mouth of the angel Gabriel. In fact, the very word Quran means recital. It was Muhammad's followers who eventually committed his words to writing. After Muhammad passed away, these collected recitations became the literary work that we now know as the Quran. Therefore, the commands to wage war are viewed as commands from on high. If we want to question whether or not Muhammad himself intended his instructions about waging war to be taken literally, we have only to look at his life. Muhammad not only talked about violence in the name of Islam, he himself led and waged war in the name of religion. How do you think he took Mecca? By sending his adversaries a box of seized candy and a bouquet of flowers? Muhammad conquered with a sword. Therefore, it is fairly obvious, albeit not politically correct, to understand that such jihad commands were intended by Muhammad to be taken literally and not figuratively. My friends, this settles the question of context. Once again, nominal Muslims less familiar with their own Quran will insist that they do not view it that way. They are honestly adhering to a peaceful understanding of their faith. Others like Dr. Jasser, familiar with the controversial verses and the authentic history of Muhammad, simply choose to adapt the text to fit their personal preferences. Says Jasser, nowhere in the Quran does God tell Muslims that they must repeat and thus emulate the Prophet Muhammad's role and actions as a military or government leader. 
Actually, the Quran says something very much to that effect. Surah 33. Indeed, in the Messenger of Allah, you have a good example to follow for him who hopes for Allah and the last day remembers Allah much. My friends, facts can be stubborn, but despite these facts, explanations and reinterpretations from peace-loving Muslims will always be available for those who want them. In the meantime, any Muslim who takes the Quran seriously and literally, who truly understands the entire message, not only accepts the jihad commands, he or she is also taught that it is okay to lie during a time of war. A passionate Muslim admitted as much to me once in the midst of a serious discussion right over the radio. While denying that Muslims are permitted to lie in general, he went on to explain that during times of war, lies are often necessary in as much as anyone waging war will be less than factual with the enemy. Well, I suppose that makes sense on the surface. However, at that moment, I voiced a rather obvious question. When are Muslims not at war? He responded with a vague, unsatisfactory answer. But here are the words of a man who was not so vague, Muhammad himself, and this is found in the Hadith. Lying is wrong except in three things. The lie of a man to his wife to make her content with him, a lie to an enemy for war war is deception, or a lie to settle trouble between people. Of course, it's not always easy to figure out when a person is lying, and none of us can read minds, but we can read polls. You should be surprised to learn how many Muslims around the world polled over these last 20 years or so, while perhaps denouncing hardcore terrorism, will openly accept ideas associated with Islamic violence, dominance, and Sharia law. In a poll for the Jerusalem Post, 80% of Muslim women view wife-beating as a normal state of affairs. Now, before you call this Jewish propaganda, since the poll was taken from the Jerusalem Post, consider an older source for this same kind of thought. And this is also from the Quran, Surah 4. Men are in charge of women because Allah has made the one of them to excel the other and because they spend of their property for the support of women. So good women are the obedient, guarding in secret that which Allah has guarded. As for those from whom you fear rebellion, admonish them and banish them to beds apart and scourge them. Then if they obey you, seek not a way against them. Lo, Allah is ever high, exalted, great. Looking beyond the Quran, my friends, we see little indications that modern times have curtailed such thinking. Two-thirds of Muslims around the world express belief in Sharia law. 91% of Jordanian college students expressed acceptance of wife-beating. Six majority Muslim nations, Turkey, Pakistan, Indonesia, Morocco, Lebanon, and Jordan, have a derogatory opinion of Jews. 61% of Muslims around the world express serious doubt that 9-11 was carried out by Arabs. 40% of Indonesians would use violence against those blaspheming Islam. 62% of the British people in the same survey said there should be no freedom of speech if it insults Muslims, and 78% of British Muslims are in favor of punishing people who draw anti-Muslim cartoons. When a Danish newspaper published a cartoon of Muhammad, riots and burnings broke out all over the world. When it was falsely reported that an American prison guard in Guantanamo Bay flushed a Quran down the toilet, Muslims committed murders in in retaliation. But that's nothing. Some Muslims have threatened violence if an infidel so much as touches the Quran. Ironically, there did not seem to be much Muslim outrage when Jewish synagogues were burnt down immediately after Israel turned Gaza
Gaza over to the Palestinians. All right, let's wrap this up. Let's review. There are many genuinely peaceful Muslims. Nothing in today's show or yesterday's show said anything to the contrary. There are many who either reinterpret the Quran or who do not understand their own Quran. However, a dedicated Muslim who truly comprehends the commands of his prophet is not allowed to be moderate. Indeed, he may perhaps claim to be moderate as a tactic. Some Muslims will renounce terrorism and in the same breath embrace Sharia law or retribution toward any who defame their prophet. Nevertheless, Muslims of all varieties are reaching out for God with a genuine hunger and thirst. I talked about that in more detail yesterday. Many years before 9-11, I had the opportunity to share the gospel with a nominal Muslim from Saudi Arabia. He was a foreign exchange student. I met him at Cal State Stanislaus. Us. Eager to learn more about the Bible and wanting to give his life to Jesus, he still took Jesus' command to count the cost very seriously. I'll never forget the words of this conflicted young man. He said, You need to understand, if I become a Christian and return home, if it is discovered that I am a Christian, they will cut off my head. He meant that literally. In any event, this visiting student did become a Christian and he did return to Saudi Arabia. I don't know what became of my friend. I do know this. He is one of the bravest men I have ever known. But bravery is rather fleeting today in our modern world, even when the choice has nothing to do with abandoning Islam, but instead squarely facing its violence. The jassers of the world who issue such challenges are few. So are the town criers outside of Islam. Most people who see, or at least begin to see, the truth remain silent or refuse to pay attention to glaring observations for fear of being branded an Islamophobe. Cowardice is only one part of a dangerous 21st century recipe. Other ingredients include sincere but bumbling attempts on the part of certain educators, politicians, and media pundits who make excuses for a religion that they clearly have not taken the time to examine with any degree of thorough study. Instead, they assume that most religious people must be dedicated to peace simply by nature of the fact that they are religious. Such circular reasoning mixed with unthinking, sheep-like adherence to political correctness complete a very lethal cake batter. This is Bob Siegel making the obvious obvious. The Bob Siegel Show podcast is a production of Bob Siegel and Cross Global Media. Visit us online and subscribe to the show at cgmradio.com slash bob.